0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today we're going to be breaking down what has happened to this point in free agency. We're going to be talking about Mike Muscala and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, in addition to all other 29 teams in the league and what they have been up to. But first... I want to break some news on the Summer League team. There's no official statement from the Thunder right now, and they always tend to do this. They wait until the final second to release a preseason roster or a Summer League roster, just any tiny thing. They wait until the final minute to push the news out. But I was talking. I talked to Nate Daniels. He is Rob Edwards' agent, and he will be on the Summer League roster If you guys do not already remember Rob Edwards from February when he was going off with the OKC Blue, he was ridiculous. He was their best three-point shooter, shot 44% from distance, and he averaged 12.5 points, 3.4 rebounds, and 1.5 assists, pretty much playing off the bench the whole entire time. And this is one of those guys, he's a 6'5 shooting guard. He really doesn't slide down to the one. He's not really fast, but... He is kind of like a Frank Jackson, Jordan Clarkson type where his role is just rested in his scoring ability. He's going to go out there and try to strum out 10, 15 points in a matter of like eight minutes. And that is something he legitimately did in the first half of the Blues season. When you had the Blue number one in the G League when they were like seven or eight and one, it was ridiculous a lot of it had to do with what Rob Edwards did, because you had Moses Brown, you had Chase on Randall, Poku, Ty Jerome, there was a lot of people on that starting unit for the blue, but coming off the bench, you had Omer Seven and you had Rob Edwards. Now, 7 wasn't as dominant early on, Rob Edwards was, so you would get like a 10-12 point cushion by the time Edwards would check in, like four, maybe three minutes left in the first quarter, that's when his time came to actually jump on the court. He'd go out there, score like eight points in those three minutes, and they'd finish on like a ten to eleven or a ten to two streak, my goodness. And be up by twenty points going in the second. And he'd just carry it and carry it. And that's why you saw a lot of blowouts early. So this was a really good pickup by the Thunder. It's really not that surprising to be honest with you. Whenever I reached out to Daniels about what was going on with Edwards. I felt like, you know, there was already a pretty good grasp that he'd be with the team. He was in UT doing some open runs with a lot of the OKC guys just last week. He hasn't posted about him being in OKC, but there was a lot of stuff kind of pointing towards it. So it's good to know he'll be returning and hopefully he'll stick around for the OKC blue season because he is an absolute scorer. Outside of that, though, there's two other people not inked to a contract with OKC, whether it's a rookie deal or a guy like Vit Kredschi, for example, and it's in guards Ryan Woolridge and Jalen the Q. Those are the two people, like I mentioned, they're not on a Thunder roster right now. Now, Woolridge, he was on the blue last season, and he kind of turned it up at the very end of the year. He kind of was the last man on the roster. I believe the deal with him was he actually was like an open tryout guy, just like the stories that you've heard. Jonathan Simmons is the biggest guy to come out of this program, but like those $200 little buy-ins to, you know, go in a scrimmage for a G League team. That's exactly what he did. He was able to make the roster, and by the end of it, he was almost starting caliber he's better than Xavier Simpson at the end of things and he almost single-handedly put them into the playoffs because of how much they were losing he had a really good kick I think it was 15 points to end the season and then Jalen LeCue he was on the thunder for six days a year ago because we got him in the Chris Paul deal and then subsequently traded him off to Indiana for TJ Leaf and a 2027 second round pick he got waived by Indiana a couple months ago and I'm assuming there's still mutual interest. I don't think he was just a random throw-in whenever he originally got dealt. Like, there had to be some value attached. You know, he went undrafted. Not a lot has gone on with him. He's just super athletic. But the Thunder would like to take a flyer with him, I'm assuming, just based off the fact that he was an OKC just a day ago. So those are three names to keep your eye on. Rob Edwards is confirmed to be on the Summer League roster, though. But moving on... I want to talk about what we saw from free agency up until this point, point. and there isn't a lot of stuff going the Thunder's way, you know, not any curveballs per se, and I guess this one might be considered a curveball. It's in regards to Mike Muscala, though, and we ended up signing him back for two years. It's going to be a two-year, $7 million deal, and I think Woj actually beat Shams to the table on this one when it came to reporting but he's going to be going back to the thunder right now he's already 30 years old pretty much the only veteran presence on our team who's been around for a couple seasons you have Kemba I'm assuming he's going to get traded or just be off the team by next week and then you also have Derek Favors who hasn't touched the basketball court um, or hasn't touched a thunder practice facility I would say and Muscala's only been around for like two three years at this point he's never played with Westbrook his first season was with CP3 but he's really gotten the hearts of a lot of Thunder fans and it seems like he's been a very good vet presence because he went from career averages he was doing close to 10 points a game averaged 9.7 points and 3.4 rebounds in 18 minutes last year and he was totally fine just not playing anymore so that the Thunder could look at Moses Brown, as well as Tony Bradley, you know, after the trade deadline, and Brown getting recalled, of course. So he was kind of a team player the whole way. He still stood around, tried to mentor, and clearly was practicing. He was never hurt. He just was kind of pulled from the active roster, but I do think that there was some mutual connection between the two, because it was mentioned in his Exeter interviews a couple months ago But it didn't seem like he, you know, should have been staying around on the Thunder, right? Like this is a stretch five playing the best basketball of his life on a really good minimum contract damn near. He could have asked to get bought out or just move on, get traded to a contender. And the Thunder would have complied. There's zero doubt. And there would have been multiple different teams interested in picking up Muscala. But instead of doing that, he decided to stick around. And this summer, he did the same thing again. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't think there'd be an offer on the table for Mike Muscala just based off of the roster being jammed. I know we need more front court help, but I would have thought the Thunder would have just gone clean slate. We're going all under 25 on contracts. Mike Muscala is the exception here because, like I said, he's 30, but the leadership does help out. And I'm going to say this. I mean, when you look at the 15 roster spots, the way I would personally maximize it is just go after the highest potential people available on the market. And we know Mike Muscala is not one of those guys. He is really on a path where he's going to be a consistent shooter, and that's about it, but you're not going to see any breakthroughs of him. He's in his prime right now. You know, last year, that was the apex of his career, and he wants to stay you can't really fault him for it, but yeah, I mean, in terms of trying to play long term, Mike Muscala was not the option. But you can try to draw comparisons to Muscala to like a Collison almost, and I know that's kind of like um, I don't know that that might be a stretch just because Collison only played for the Thunder. It wasn't like Muscala where he's in th- in the system for three years and now he's a star uh, within the organization, but I mean you need the leader, and the big deal is when you have a guy like Collison, and when we did have him, he's a person who's able to mentor guys, he's been through it, and he's able to help improve the young people in progressing their game. And we don't really have a guy like that on the Thunder outside of Favors and Walker, who as I mentioned, I don't know about for you know the future. Muscala is that guy, and for us to keep him around for three and a half million. You know, like three, four years ago, three and a half million would have been a suitable contract, but based off of what we've seen this season or in the last like 24 hours of free agency, three and a half is a bargain for, you know, one season of a stretch four like Mike Muscala. So we got him there for leadership, but also he can still play basketball. Like we need someone who can play as a pick and pop guy next to SGA and Mike Muscala is the only front court person we have for that right now and he was the best person last year. I'd actually place him over Al Horford in that category because Al Horford pretty sluggish when it comes to shooting. He's got that face up jumper and people tend to just sag off. With Mike Muscala, you know, he's very good not just in a pick and pop setting, but just in general getting the open space for jump shots. In the pick and pop He's a lot faster than a Horford was, plays like a four in that category, and his jumper's pretty clean, pretty damn consistent. The big thing, though, is in the fast break, he's actually really good at getting open. And what he'll do is, you know, you get an outlet pass, everyone's charging up the court. He intentionally just sits back. He wants to be 10th out of 10 when it comes to crossing that timeline. So, He'll just like stroll up there and then he'll just stop at the top of the key. And typically at that point, SGA is trying to drive in, penetrate. Whatever the case is, the ball is not at the top of the key. Someone's trying to penetrate or there's a lot of action on the other ends of things. Mike Muscala will just sit there. He'll get a shot right in his pocket and he'll hit threes. So he's very good at shooting it. We needed someone like that anyways. I can't really hate Uh, you know looking to pick him back up so as of right now Mike Muscala and Derek Favors are your only centers on the roster when you go down to you know how many people are going to be sticking around on this team right now I don't really know because there is a lot more deals that could be made sign and trades things will get funky with this roster and I would have thought it would hit in the first couple hours it never did that but right now muscala and favors are your two centers and muscala he'd be giving you a really good bench roll just like he did last year and talking about roles we got the cornerstone in sga inked for five more years you tack that on to his rookie contract that he still has not completed sga will be sticking in bricktown For the next six seasons. That's gonna take him until the summer of 2027. By that time, he is gonna be 29 years old. So they got a steal in picking him back up. And I'm saying, as a steal, you know, it's just kind of a max contract. If someone offers you a max contract, you would be a fool not to take it at 23 years old. Good job by SGA going ahead, grabbing the max, no one has ever passed up on that before, that'd be really stupid to do so, so he took it, and what you saw was a lot of guys, Trey Young in particular, they got inked to these five-year maxes, because they just finished up, you know, three seasons in the league, this is the 2018 draft class, after that third season, you're allowed to negotiate an extension to tack on, you know, past your final season, because had SGA not signed an extension, he would have been in restricted free agency for the summer of 2022. So you get those negotiations early on to just get some security. And Trey Young was the first guy to get it. But all these deals were made way prior to the set date. This was just when news could leak out about it. So Trey Young got a five-year, $207 million contract due to Some of his past accolades for SGA, his contract is for five years as well, but it's only for 172 million dollars. The one kicker with this, though, is that is going to get bumped up to 207 million dollars if he's going to be an all NBA player next season, and I don't think the chances of that are very high. Maybe he scathes the all star spot. He's going to have really good numbers next year, no doubt about it. But you got to have a lot of team success to make those all NBA teams. And the Thunder, they have SGA, they have Dort. Like, they have some pieces. But in the West right now, I don't even know if you're looking at a play in. I do think that you're going to see a really big jump from SGA, though, in terms of stats. So it could be $207 million. Like, The way we grade him, hell yeah, all NBA. He could be our, you know, the third best point guard in the league from our perspective. But in terms of the voters, they're not looking at that. They're looking at the big markets, they're looking at the marketable faces, and they're looking at success on the basketball court. So I think SGA would be worthy, of course, but I don't know if it's set in stone that he would get that little bump in his contract and this deal is not going to become official until august the 6th i don't know exactly why they do it that way but you can't put it to pen and paper it's just agreed in principle and there's nothing in the next couple of days that's going to make this deal fall apart so he will be staying even despite the trade rumors that we've heard talking about how sga was reportedly Offered in deals for Cade Cunningham and not just straight up. We're talking SGA plus pick number six to get Cade Cunningham. He made sure, Sam Presti that is, made sure to just dispel that stuff. He went out there and said the you know those talks were manufactured, and that was that. He was able to back up those statements in getting him inked, and there's a lot to rejoice about here because the Thunder. Let's say they did trade him for Cade Cunningham or they traded him for whatever, just a ton of picks like we've seen with like Paul George, right? And that one worked out. But let's say they don't get a young player. It's just all these different picks. Now you're throwing darts, darts, darts. We didn't do too well in the lottery this past, you know, offseason. Pick six and pick, pick 18 when we thought we could get, we could have gotten Cade Cunningham and whoever would have been pick number five that wasn't good and we got josh giddy and you were able to get trey man but still there was a lot better options there and you could have moved SJ off and now you're just trying to guess over and over again and i don't see a point in doing that when you have a star right in front of you so they secure him when you look at what he's done the past two seasons with the thunder as a sophomore obviously he played his rookie campaign with the clippers He was really good next to Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder that three guard lineup really helped out I'd say in his development because he could play off the ball and it wasn't an issue but this past season the ball was in his hands and he had to control things I mention it all the time but he was number one out of however many guys there were in the league in terms of drives there was like a five drive gap between himself and second place and Luka Doncic. And overall, he was still killing it. 23.7 points per game, 4.7 rebounds and 5.9 assists. Granted, he didn't even play half the season last year because of his plantar fascia issues combined with like health and safety a little bit early on. But he was really impressive when he was playing and it was obvious that he was the reason that the Thunder were still in some games. The way he's able to drive in, hit the open man, whether it's someone rolling to the basket or out in the corner, is great, but even then, a lot of the times, he didn't pass to the open guy out there, and he wanted to drive in through contact. He could get to the foul line, but he also can take hits when he's slashing the basket, and he's become a really good inside finisher, but to make things even better he makes do with a step-back jumper that came out of absolutely nowhere he didn't have a step-back jumper when he came to okc his step-back jumper doesn't get you a lot of space but he gets the job done and he was able to keep the thunder in just like i said not just inside but by playing from downtown he shot above 40 percent from three last season and i don't see any indication that that'd be slipping away come next year we're gonna have to wait and see what's going on with his actual injury status he couldn't play with team canada in the tokyo olympics they didn't qualify to the olympics of course but even in the qualifiers he was not able to play lou dort of course was and we don't really have any medical status on him that at least i've heard of but i'd assume they're still you know taking things slow with him probably will be good to go when the season kind of revs back up in october but yeah this was just a big deal now because we don't have to worry about you know any potential fallout here and you move on to the guys that you're going to see later getting extensions like lou dort for example Baisley, maybe I'm not so sure. Definitely Poku and Maladone would be in that chatter. But this was the big guy we needed to uh, get a contract on. And they got it. But to make it even nicer, they made sure to get him down for the next six years. There's no trade exception. There's no player option, team option. Just a blank five years and he'll be good. When you look at the numbers on this contract, he's going to be paid just below 30 million in his first year 32.1 million in 2023 34.5 million in 2024 36.9 million in 2025 and 39.27 million in 2026 and this is before an extension or that little pay raise if he were to be in the all nba next season so this was a great move And it looks even nicer when you check out some of the other contracts that were dished out in free agency. And this doesn't really involve the Thunder, but there were still some very big moves. And the biggest, not really shocker to me, but just eye-opener, came from Chris Paul signing with the Phoenix Suns. And he declined his player option a couple weeks ago. And that was kind of to be expected. Like, he clearly, based off of what he did in the finals and just the playoffs had all the leverage if he wanted to be with the phoenix suns long term he could do that and he would still get pretty significant money now i forgot exactly what his player option was going to be for but it was easily above 40 million dollars i don't have it on me, but it was ridiculous what the suns needed to pay so he reconstructed his deal he is going to get paid 120 million dollars over the next four years if he sticks around for that while so there's probably some early extermination deals that are yet to be discussed but i mean if he keeps up and the phoenix suns are still contending chris paul is still valuable enough for them he's gonna be going on like 40 years old making upwards of 30 million dollars so check out sga he's gonna be in his prime making around there chris paul yeah we got a good deal and the Phoenix Suns did too because they clearly needed to keep him. If they didn't go after Chris Paul, they would have like Dennis Schroeder or some crap. And he's good, but you still need that leader. And the little connection between CP3, Booker, and Aiton was really solid. Even Mikhail Bridges was amazing for them. But they definitely couldn't have just rolled out in the sunset, you know, after going to the finals. Like the Heat team. From a couple seasons ago, they were in the finals. Haven't really heard much from them, but they're still going at it. I mean, they re-signed Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson to some mega deals. I know Robinson signed one a five-year $90 million contract, which is a lot of money for a really good shooter. But yeah, they couldn't just put the brakes on everything. So it made sense, but that is a lot of money to be tossing out to a 36 year old and a lot more point guards got paid early on and this kind of hurts for the thunder and I'll go into that in a second but Kyle Lowry's off and he's joining the Miami Heat he's on a three-year 90 million dollar contract and Mike Conley is sticking around in Utah they dished out Derek Favors in that first round pick to make the room to re-sign him That's why you dish out at first. That's kind of really good value given favors his contract isn't insane or anything, but they needed to make sure Conley could stick around. So that's not a bad price either for Conley. And there's a couple other ones that aren't terrible. And Lonzo Ball is one of them to the Bulls. And this one's a little bit more controversial, but he's getting paid 85 mil over the next four seasons. And he just got to walk away pretty much the Pelicans, right after Lonzo Ball moved out, this was a team that you put in a highlighter as a potential Kemba Walker sweepstakes winner, because they didn't have a point guard anymore, Lonzo for 21 and a quarter mil on average for the next four seasons, if you don't love him, would have been boneheaded, so they moved him out for, I think, Thomas Sadoransky in like a second round pick, there, there might have been some other throw in, I just forgot about, but They gave him away to Chicago, and that was kind of that, but the Pelicans, they got put on the hot seat for needing a point guard, and they needed one immediately. The Thunder, they were given one out in Kemba Walker, but they were able to get around that because they completed a sign-in trade to get Devontae Graham from the Charlotte Hornets, and this was a player that the Thunder were actually rumored to be interested in, not to keep him, but to just sign him and flip him. The Pelicans got him on a pretty nice contract, I believe. 47 mil over the next four seasons. That's not terrible for what was a really high-scoring point guard, and he's still pretty decent at passing it. He's not extremely young, per se, but really suitable deal. I think it's team-friendly for them, and for the Thunder, that is like a stab in the heart because you look at what is left for them, there's about nothing. In terms of moving on from Kemba Walker, because the big teams that you had your eyes on were like the Chicago Bulls, the New Orleans Pelicans, and really, for me, that was about it. Maybe even the Miami Heat or something if they didn't get Kyle Lowry. But there were like two or three teams even in the mix now. Now all the cap space has just been eating up from everybody all these teams needing point guards were able to secure one either just straight up through free agency or in a sign-and-trade deal and the thunder they're just the one left at the table they don't have any say and i don't know what kind of deal could be made i guess the dallas mavericks are their last hope if they want to trade Kristaps Porzingis out to them but even then i'm still skeptical of what the future will hold with him so it's a bit awkward i mean on the bright side the thunder might be getting a, another asset of some quantity from the washington wizards because they are looking to get spencer dinwiddie in a sign and trade deal because they can't sign him outright they just don't have the cap space to they need to compensate brooklyn and the report that i heard is it'd be a first round pick they have a first round pick that the Thunder hold right now, they get starts in 2022, maybe even 2023. But the protections are like 1 through 16, 1 through 18, 1 through 12. This bad boy goes for five seasons. So they are not able to move picks during that time unless they alleviate the protections on those. So either they try to get the pick back or they have to modify the protections so they can move another draft pick over. To the brooklyn nets so that's a situation to monitor but it's definitely not as good as shipping out kemba walker because he's going to be eating out salary if we can't move him just and it's not a problem now but over the years it's just going to keep weighing on you and you might even need to release the guy and that is the worst case scenario because then he's stuck on your roster forever kyle Singler. He has like two years left on his contract still, and it's about a million a year. I don't have the specifics on it, but it's really high six figures that he's getting paid out. Imagine what's going to be going on with Kemba. And luckily, the Thunder are so young, even if you do have to give this guy however much it is over the next two or three seasons, it's not going to kill you, but you got to get rid of it, and you got to get rid of it as fast as possible if you have to waive the man. So I don't know what happens with him, but it was just a really bad break for OKC uh, in terms of how you could move around Kemba Walker. And moving on from that, I mean, there are a couple other guys that I just feel like I needed to talk about. That was DeMar DeRozan leaving San Antonio to go to the Bulls and Jared Allen signing a five-year, $100 million contract with the Cavs. Seem like there might have been some issues between him and Mobley in terms of how they'd fit on the roster. That's not an issue to them because of this deal, and I think Mobley's so nimble. He can play around the perimeter. It's never going to be an issue in my eyes, but some people did have that belief. Now, those are the big dudes that got signed. There were a couple, though, that I do want to talk about just because they've been rumored at some point in time with the okc thunder and zach collins was the big one a lot of people wanted zach collins i never really did he's not gonna be going to the thunder he signed a three-year deal with the san antonio spurs and they'll probably recuperate his value but he has such a medical history just completely battle scarred like he cannot stay on the floor it'd be something just not worth it, because you could try to take him, I think he's 23 at this point, make him a rehab person, but even then, if you keep him, or if you, you know, if he's a success story for you, you're not trading him out, so he'd be on the roster, but if he keeps getting hurt, torn labrum, foot issues, you still got to keep him, and he's just sticking on your roster, that's exactly what happened to the Portland Trailblazers for the last two seasons maybe even three if you want to be a little mean about it but yeah there is skill with him but a lot of strings attached and he will need to be very good when it comes to shooting the basketball he's more of like a post guy but he can pop a little in the mid mid range and rebound too but I thought there are better options um, in terms of what you could find out there Another one was Malik Monk, just like Collins. No qualifying offer was dangled to them, so Monk hit unrestricted free agency. He signed with the LA Lakers for dirt cheap. I think it's like two years, 10 mil, and the Thunder could have offered more than that. Malik Monk is a scorer, but just like Collins, truthfully, I wouldn't really want Malik Monk on the roster, and he has potential. He can create... But you already have so many guys and you just drafted two guards in the draft there's no point in digging at him he would have been a fun project to at least take a little bit of a look at and Taylen horton tucker was a bit of the same now he got paid actually pretty uh modestly in terms of um you know some of the other pays that were given out to new laker players he got paid 32 mil over the next three seasons a little bit over 10 million a year and i think he's like 20 maybe 21 he would have been another shot creator who would have had a big role within the franchise but just was not meant to be some other people that have not been signed that the thunder have been attached to or at least rumored to be attached to thon makers one of them i mean he did not get signed in the middle of last season i don't know if there was much interest saw so him at an airport and that's about all you need from me so that is a person to check out just because he's a center and he does at least a little bit fit the archetypes that we see in guys like poku and whatnot just a really good ball handler at an insane uh frame but that's kind of one that i could actually realistically see There's some good players still available though where the Thunder could scoop them and try to ship them out and Dennis Schroeder's the best free agent still on the market. He was reportedly given like a four-year $48 million contract from the Lakers and it might have been three years but he was about to get $50 million. He turned it down thinking he could get more money and it completely backfired. No one has the space for him anymore and the Thunder, they're one of the lone teams that do. So you could try to scoop him and push him back out onto the market. I don't know about that one though. I think there are some better options as opposed to him, but he's a very good point guard and he would be able to contribute really anywhere. John Collins is a person that also could be signed by us. We have $30 million in cap space. The Atlanta Hawks did give a qualifying offer so they'll ultimately get the final decision on signing him but he'd be the perfect player next to sga and i made a pod and a blog post dedicated to john collins back when there was trade rumors about him because he can shoot the three he's crazy athletic he'd be the perfect lob threat and defensively he's versatile as hell so he fits line by line exactly what the thunder need at the five position but there's a lot of money there And the sad part about it is we don't have the current roster to just be up and running. Like if we had the first pick and we got Cade, his floor is so high and he's expected to contribute right away. You could try a thing where you get Collins and you make that mini really, you know, just young big three in Cade, SGA and Collins. But I don't know if the timelines work and he fits SGA's timeline, but the franchise I think they're taking things a little bit slower. Collins would just kickstart things a little bit too early, in my opinion. And Lori Markkinen, I don't think he gives that same you know contribution as John Collins would. He's a really good three-point shooter. Shot 40% from distance, and he's all right slashing inside. I mentioned it in my last pod, but he looked really good before. You had Donovan and Boylan just like pushing him to a straight-up catch-and-shoot person, I think the Thunder would let him spread his wings out a little bit at least, and on top of it, they'd probably play him at the 5. I don't think he's a great center, to be honest with you, because he's not that strong. At the 4 spot, he's good, but yeah. I mean, if we do sign him, he'd be playing at the 5, and when you play those back-to-basket bigs, it would not go in the Thunder's favor with Laurie Markkinen but I really do like him this was the person that I wanted the Thunder to get for like two three years when we had Russ and PG never came to fruition we'll see what goes on with him and Kelly Oubre Jr. is another person we traded him out for a first round pick with the Warriors it turned into a second rounder a very good one that we had to use to um get jeremiah robinson earl actually but we did get value out of him and he's back up for grabs we could try to flip him again i mean i don't know i don't know and i said whenever we originally traded for him in that chris paul deal i thought we could actually have kelly Oubre and play him because he was young i think he's 25 now 24 last year but he was young enough to where he could actually get some really high scoring numbers and he could have been part of the team long term maybe you try scooping him up with those intentions but they did it once I think if you get Kelly Oubre again it's just going to repeat itself and I don't think he's very likely to be picked up by the Thunder but someone needs to pay the man and the only person who has a bid sufficient enough for him or Schroeder really is the okc thunder and for marketing and collins the thunder are the highest bidder the spurs had like 46 mil they're down to 8 mil so they're in good shape but you know if a bidding war does break out they will get the final shot when it uh when it just comes down to it and there's another person who the thunder kind of as a dark horse could use there wouldn't be that restriction though being an rfa It's Reggie Jackson, and he went off in the playoffs. He's expecting money. The Clippers do not have that money, and most people do not have that money. He'd be a lot cheaper to get the Dennis Schroeder, in my opinion, but he'd still cost you a pretty penny, and Reggie Jackson and the Thunder are not on good terms. I think more so, Jackson probably is not in favor with some of the People who've been in the organization, like Westbrook, KD, maybe not necessarily the the you know organization itself, like I said, but he's had some quotes in there that have been head scratching. So I don't think many people within OKC like the man. You could just pick him up and try to flip him for a second, and that's about the last resort when it comes to who you'd want to pick up. But if there's value there, you have the money might as well do it facilitate some trades and you can kind of control the market right now so maybe they want to sit easy see who else comes out i know victor oladipo is not signed yet he might want to sign back with the heat or you could try to get him again and dish him out because he does have some name value and people might think he could still be an all-star and there's a lot more people that will have um you know a market and okc can pounce on it no news on tony bradley yet no news on Svi. josh hall and Jalen horde are kind of in the middle of nowhere right now in terms of a deal and Vit credci he's still there no new updates on him but if there is and if there will be on anybody uh surrounding the okc thunder i'll make a podcast for you guys and i will get it out asap But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.